what we're seeing is that a lot of times when, when companies mature and they start to get to the stage where they have people who've been around for five, six years, need that recharge, this concept of a sabbatical leave is starting to come up more and more often. And it's becoming something that people look for as far as culturally, does my employer, does my company care? Welcome to the HR L&D podcast with your host, Nick Day, CEO and founder of JGA Recruitment, specialist HR recruiters. Tuning into the HR L&D podcast will help you to discover strategic growth concepts, leadership development strategies, and the values and behaviors that drive organizational change and success. Together, let's empower our workforces, diversify our thinking, and achieve significant HR success. Hello and welcome back to the HR L&D podcast. My name is Nick Day, CEO at JGA Recruitment Group, and we are specialist HR recruiters. Now, whether you are listening to this for the first time or the hundredth time, let me take this opportunity to say thank you for joining me today, especially if you want to improve your retention in the time of the great resignation, something that is definitely impacting the work that I do as an HR recruiter, and I know it's impacting you too in the world of HR. Today, I'm joined by COO and co-founder at Cocoon, Lauren Dye. Now, Cocoon are a business focused well, founded, should I say, by three powerhouse women, and it's entirely focused on reimagining employee benefits, especially in relation to leave management. Now, leave benefits are complicated, right? So this business was founded to really bring some clarity and some simplicity to both the employer and the employee experience. And no better time for that to happen during not just a pandemic in terms of COVID, but a pandemic in terms of employees leaving businesses, changing the way they work, changing the way they want to be to want to be managed in a, in a new environment. And that's really causing this great resignation as well. So we're going to talk about more about that. We're going to find out a lot more about Cocoon, who quite recently managed to secure over $20 million in Series A funding. It's also collected a rich set of data about how employees are using their leave benefits and what they are doing to create insights for employers to understand how better to craft benefits going forward. So with the process of attraction and retaining talent, a top priority for all organizations and definitely for our HR listeners out there, welcome to the HRND podcast, Lauren, and uh, keen to get started. How are you feeling today? <laughs> Super excited to be here, Nick. Your energy just gets me going. I mean, I took a little bit of improv in college, but nowhere near your level <laughs> of just, like theater enthusiasm. I'm so pumped. Um, I'm really, really excited to have you. We spoke a little bit off there already, so I know the the, uh, the enthusiasm is infectious. Let's get started then, straight into nitty-gritty. Tell us a little bit about what is your background, because Cocoon was only recently founded, and as I've come to understand, founded in the midst of the pandemic as well. And it, I guess it makes sense. It's a time where people were leaving, reassessing their lives, not quite sure whether you know the employers they were with at that time were right for them, were giving the right benefits, changes in remote management, loads going on. So Tell us a bit about why you founded the business when you did, a little bit more about it, and a little bit about your background as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, Nick, I mean, my background personally is I grew up in New Jersey. I'm in um, you know East Coast of the of the United States, and I started you know studying economics, and and a lot of that was influenced by my own personal family background. Where my parents are from China, they immigrated to the U.S. in the '80s. They had incredible opportunities to bring up my brother and me here in this country, and a big part of what I was interested in was how do we use policy to influence change in the world, whether it's things like paid family leave and so forth. And what's interesting is a lot of that kind of led me along the path of finance. And I eventually got into the world of fintech and uh, joined Stripe, where I met one of my co-founders, Amber, who's incredible. Um, along the way, I also met uh, Mahima actually early on in our days, uh, way long ago, <laughs> we were actually in college. Um, but the sort of a shorter story of, of Cocoon is that when Mahima and Amber and I were in our world of fintech at Stripe, at Square, we were, you know, among some of the best people in the world and at some of the best companies in the world as far as companies that care deeply, deeply about their people. Sure. And that manifested in so many ways. And what was interesting, and well, I should say, in some cases, 
shocking, <laughs> maybe is the right <laughs> word, was that it it wasn't coming out in the right way, of course, not intentionally, for, for a lot of our peers and friends who were taking leave for the first time. And part of this just has to do with the time of life that the three of us kind of are in right now, as far as starting our own families and so on, and um, and seeing a lot of our, our peers and friends go through that experience. And really what catalyzed Cocoon as a, as a business and, and why we're here is because we saw a lot of our own teammates uh, go on leave for the first time. A lot of, you know, mostly parental leaves, but certainly other kinds of leaves, like, you know, caring for a sick parent, for example, sure. a caretaker leave. Um, and the experiences were just, in, in a lot of cases, kind of excruciating, where we had one, you know, friend share how she was being wheeled into the hospital room for her cesarean and um, literally brought her laptop with her to try and apply for disability insurance. Wow. Okay. Yeah. She really, really wanted to make sure that she could get paid as soon as possible from the state, uh, for example, from California state and from her disability insurance provider that um, her employer had been paying premiums for her into. And that kind of story just almost shocks you a little bit. It's like, wait, what? Everyone thought that when we were going on leave, we're going to be paid 100% peace of mind. Yeah. Let's just go have our family, you know, return to work and and all of that. And I think what we discovered in seeing our own friends go through this experience was that it was just very different. Where when our employers uh, share to us that we're being paid, let's say, 100% during a leave, and that's already very uh, generous and beyond what most employers do. Um, actually, it's much more complicated than that, where a good chunk of it is coming from perhaps your government or your state, for example. Um, a good chunk of it is coming from insurance that you're you know, our employers have generously paid for us for. And then only then do our employers provide additional funding on top of that. And that can create a lot of stress, especially just given uh, the insurance industry isn't exactly the most sort of forward <laughs> looking yeah, for at sure. the stage, although certainly uh, improving over time. Um, and one of the biggest pain points is just honestly cash flow and needing money to be able to take that time to afford that time off. And in the situation of a lot of our teammates, it was situations where, yes, we were being paid 100% of our usual salary, but it was taking weeks for the government or for um, the insurance company to process our claim and then issue a check that got mailed to us. <laughs> we could finally deposit. And yeah. in the meantime, it was like, wait, it's the, I have... It's the anxiety and the panic and the... It must. Have. I mean, I, I can imagine uh, UK listeners now. Whoops, we do things very differently in the UK. Their jaws must have dropped at the start of that story because it's I not a imagine. process we necessarily have to go through in relation to parental leave. Right? We're very fortunate, uh. perhaps, here in the UK that it's done very differently. But I've got another podcast, a payroll podcast, and what what I thought was quite interesting what you mentioned there is when it comes to payroll, and I, you can align this slightly. No one worries about payroll until your pay goes wrong, and then suddenly it's panic stations. And then suddenly people understand the complexity behind what goes into making sure your payroll is run effectively. And it's the same kind of example you mentioned there that, you know, if the process isn't simple, then that anxiety gets fed towards newborn. You want to be, you know, in that, in that state of mind where you're, you're spending your nice quality time with your newborn and relaxed environment. There's enough stress is going on as there is, you know, with all the new things that are happening. The one thing you don't want to be panicking about are those things you've mentioned where am I going to get paid? Can I cover my rent? And it goes goes into kind of a black hole then of, of, of worried about, about all the things that you have to cover and your focus must be taken away. So, I mean, that example was an incredible um, example that, that, that you gave. Yes. I mean, I think, I think that's the thing about leave is that when we are taking leave, it's usually one of the most acute, biggest moments in our lives. And yeah. it could be happy. It could be sad. It could be... Um, health reasons and 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 typically it's these kind of really really key pivot points where suddenly it's like oh my gosh then it hits you that you might not get paid yeah. <laughs> in the way that you expected and that's where that panic kind of sets in and the fascinating part is it's for both people but also for HR teams or for HR teams this is just a the last thing that they ever want to happen to their people is during a moment where you know, we are especially vulnerable and, and, and our, our needs are heightened and our, our need to feel supported by our employer is heightened for that to, for that ball to get dropped in any way. Yeah. 
Um, and, and so that is something that it really, the reason we started Cocoon is to solve this and make this something that can be as instant and simple and magical for both the people taking leave so that they can focus on their families, their recovery, their health, their careers, and for the HR teams who are trying to support their people through this experience, oftentimes at the, the scale that is a company that stretches multiple sure. uh, jurisdictions, states, countries, and so on. When you referenced my um, my theatre background at the start of this, it's a bit like breaking that fourth wall. You know, you should be focused on the leave, but as soon as that fourth wall is broken and you realise that you've forgotten the line, as an example in the theatre, where that fourth wall is broken and the, the illusion is broken, you go into panic mode. And if that, you know, in, in that example you've given, your focus should be on leave, whether it's for sad reasons, positive reasons or whatever, that's where your focus should be, not on the financial side. It was really interesting. You mentioned that it's not just about the employee, it's about the employer, because and we're going to talk about this, the great resignation now is, is really put a spotlight on employee benefits and how people look after their staff. And if those processes are smooth and, and positive, then it's going to leave a much more positive impression on the employees, right? So what, what have you found so much in, in your experience? You know, we're going through this great resignation. Do you think that all HR departments should be looking at this kind of research in terms of how they can utilize better leave benefits or the way that they manage their leave processes to help them retain talent? Do you think they're even looking at it in, in, in with those eyes at the moment? I would say retain, but also attract, which is probably sure. a newer thing. Um, and what's interesting is that I think maybe pre-COVID leave was viewed a little bit more as a legal thing, as okay. in how do we cover our bases as far as making sure that we are compliant? and that we are issuing the right legal notices about when Lauren is on leave, you know, how is her job protected, what pay is she entitled to, and so forth. And that's kind of the baseline. And we certainly would see companies, especially where, where you know, we live in Silicon Valley, taking a kind of like very uh, cutting edge stance around using the benefits around leave, like 16 weeks of paid family leave. And we certainly saw Google, Facebook, and so on, Netflix pioneer this over time. And I think what's interesting around the Great Resignation is that it's created this massive focus along with, you know, catalyzed by COVID around the big moments in people's lives when we actually really want our employer to step up for us. And what yeah. does that mean about our employer and their values? And I think when we rewind pre kind of COVID, pre Great Resignation, a lot of the conversation around benefits and focus around benefits were around things that were more kind of day to day, right? Which yeah. is, okay, do we have meals at the office? We have our commuter benefits. Um, in some cases it's, you know, do we have the ping pong table in the office yeah, and so forth? Sure. And it's kind of counterintuitive, but I thought it was really, really, you know, just insightfully said by uh, Mike, who, who is over at one of our customers, Carta. He was one of the deputy general counsels who wrote Carta's first policy around leave. And the way he put it was that it's super counterintuitive, but actually it's not those things that are kind of day to day that really matter to people, especially right now, but it's in those really, really key inflection points in someone's live, like, you know, lives where it's like something has completely shifted in my life. I'm having a kid. My family is going through something big, right? Whether it's someone is sick or someone has passed away, whatever it may be. And did my employer step up for me in that moment or, or did they not? Yeah. And I think employers have recognized that there has been this shift and that is where leave and having an experience during leave where people feel not kind of jolted from insurance claim to insurance claim or feeling like they literally have to build spreadsheets to show what they are owed, but instead feel like, wow, this was easy. And I feel so supported by my employer that I'm going to be that much more loyal when I return. And that's kind of the feeling that that now HR teams are looking for. Uh, and in addition to retention, um, especially given that leave can be one of those moments where folks drop out of the workforce, right? Because it's like, oh my for gosh, sure. what's yeah. going on, right? So common uh, scenario there. And also what we've seen among our customers in particular has been using leave as this major kind of attraction point. And there's a lot of different ways that we've seen 
um, our partners do this, where, for example, we've seen our partners share on LinkedIn, here's what our paid family leave policy looks like, for example, um, and then even empower their recruiting team with talking points around that. And it's, from what we've heard, made a a pretty key difference, Um, especially some of these things that might seem a little tactical. So I'll give you one example. One thing that we've seen increasingly is that historically, companies have often had this policy of you need to have been at the company for at least one year, one year of tenure, in order to qualify for the the full benefits that we're offering. And in some cases, that's been a deterrent for some folks who are expecting to start families, for example. And so what we've seen increasingly is that is going away. And a huge part of that has been driven by the great resignation and the need to retain and especially to attract new talent. Uh, You know, I even heard one uh, people leader that we chatted with say, hey, like part of my strategy, honestly, is to poach expecting parents (laughs) because that is like actually a moment when they're not only rethinking their lives, but also who they want to, you know, work for and contribute their time and mission to um, afterwards. I think it's really interesting. Uh, For me, the pandemic's definitely had an impact here because I think the way that employers look at employees from a trust perspective has changed, number one. I think it's been positive in relation to diversity, inclusion, and equity. And I think there's a great example you just gave there. So you know what, actually, just because you're an expectant mother or whatever your situation is, you know, there's there's more trust in the workplace, I think, now that we've moved to a more remote way of working. Now, I know that's not for everybody and it's not always possible, but certainly as a has been a big shift towards the number of employees now working remotely, even if it's only for partial parts of the week rather than full time. And I think also that's been really positive for those that do have commitments at home that do need to take leave, perhaps to put a positive spin on leave like you're doing and the way, way you're talking about it now, I think it's just positive all around because it takes the fear away you know, of doing what you actually want to do in your life, whether that's to start a family. You don't want to be fearful of doing that because you're worried about whether your employer will give you the flexibility or the leave entitlement that you need, or it may damage your opportunities to progress and all those kind of things. So to put a positive spin on as, as some of the examples you gave in, I think is a, a really, really positive organizational and cultural shift for globally, not just in the US or in the UK, but I think it's really positive. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's one of those things where it's like, it couldn't be better for all of us as far as knowing that our lives actually like outside of work actually matter and we're cared for by our employer in that way. Right. And I think that's a lot of what we kind of view Cocoon to be, which is that Cocoon in a lot of ways, we hope as we build our, you know, influence and brand over time can be that green light that employers kind of show to their people to say, Hey, we care about you, not only as someone who produces amazing work at this company and has strong impact there, but also we care about you as a person holistically. Yeah. I know you've done an awful lot of work in, in data gathering and talking to companies about what, you know, the kind of policies they deliver. And we've sp- we focus a lot potentially on things like parental leave today, because it's an obvious one. But are you also finding employers are doing more in relation to just almost recovery leave? Because I think, and I use an example, it's not mine, from the performance podcast, I talk about this a lot. But if you talk about elite performance, whether that's in sport, whether that's in business, you often find actually the one thing people don't get is enough recovery time to be able to perform at their best. We go head down at work, we're doing 60, 70 hour days sometimes to get through and you never actually have that time to recover. And then actually in elite sport, if you use a Formula One car as an example, you know the, the race is won and lost in the pit. It's won and lost in the time they take a moment to recover. It's only seconds, but it's that time just to re-optimize, to rebreathe, to, to, to recalibrate. Are you finding employers are looking at it from that perspective where not only is it good for the employee, but actually from their own performance as a business, it's improving when employees are able to take more leave for whatever reason that might be, not necessarily restricted to to parental reasons? That's a really, really fascinating trend that you've hit on, Nick, which is that we've seen increasingly, especially employers of uh, customers and partners of ours who are a bit more mature. So I would say maybe backing up a little bit, Cocoon, as far as our customers go, our, many of our customers are, are venture-backed tech companies, um, whether this is like a superhuman, for example, or yeah. a Cardo, for example. And, and what's interesting is that those of us who are sort of like in the valley know that a lot of times when you're building a company, it's this kind of like mad sprint, mad dash yeah. for X number of years, and it can be absolutely exhausting and people can burn out and 
And that is something that in, in some cases happens. And so something that we're seeing increasingly is especially for among our partners who are reaching a certain level of maturity where they've got people who've been with them for four five, six years and have been in, the, in this kind of in the trenches for, for that long building the business from the ground up. And, and what they're recognizing is, wow, these people are incredible and they have this incredible sort of knowledge and history of how we grew up and where we want to go and we want to keep them. They're also tired. <laughs> For sure. And so what do we do, right? And so a trend that we've seen that's been increasing quite significantly is the creation of a sabbatical leave. And, um, you know, we, we saw this when, when Amber and I were at Stripe as well, um, sabbatical leave where you have the opportunity to take time off for, you know, in some cases, several months and have that kind of recharge um, that you're describing, Nick, that athletes have, right? Because in a lot of ways, it's like, why should building a company be different than being a high-performance athlete? It's Yeah, in a lot I'd of ways, argue it's not. Similar. And if you're doing an athlete yeah. schedule, you have periodization. And in every you know, fourth or eighth week of training, you'll have one week to recover and just let the, you know, the muscles recover and all the other things before, so you can become optimum and get optimum again. So I think it's absolutely. Exactly. I remember like reading about LeBron James and and how he recovers and um, the off season and and how much he sleeps and how regimented that is. And, and, And I think that's the perfect analogy for, you know, building a company as well. And so what we're seeing is that a lot of times when, when companies mature and they start to get to the stage where they have people who've been around for five, six years, need that recharge, this concept of a sabbatical leave is starting to come up more and more often. And it's becoming something that people look for as far as culturally, the, does my employer, does my company care? Um, sure. Even if you're one of those people who just started, right? Um, knowing that your employer is really in this with you for the long term. So if I'm an employer, I'm, I'm listening to this right now and you go, you know what, I'm in the US and uh, maybe we don't do enough. Maybe there's something we haven't thought about now. What's the best strategy you would recommend they take? I mean, obviously they can come to Cocoon and you can you can help them and I'd be interested to know the kind of solution you would deliver that type of client. But I know that also the best policies, in my view, are often crafted now that we might you know, take a bit longer to be delivered. But actually, it's not about fixing something that right on your doorstep now, it's about planning for what's going to happen tomorrow at the same time. So what are you finding in terms of your research? And if I was an employee, employer rather, or a client listening to this now that wants to start getting more involved in this area, what direction would you recommend they take? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think one of the biggest questions that we get from our customers is, is just, what even should my policy be? <laughs> and yeah. I think I think the the intention is 100% there, which is we want we want this to be a moment for our people where they feel supported and they come back and they feel you know re-energized to get back into things, right? And also, we don't really know what we should do. <laughs> or like, what are what is everyone else doing, yeah. right? As a starting point, and and that's where a lot of what we share to our our, our, our partners is you know, it, a lot of it depends on where your company's at, right? Because we can try and compete with the Googles and Facebooks and Netflixes of the world, but at the end of the day, they, they these are companies that have resources that are just enormous, right? Which is wonderful and they can deploy them in all the right ways. And so really what we encourage a lot of our partners to do is bring data to the conversation with your leadership team around this, right? Which is like, why is this a positive thing for the company and for your recruiting and talent strategy? And oftentimes we actually see HR leaders be paired with their talent leaders, their recruiting leaders in this conversation because yeah. it really, really matters for the talent leader, for that recruiter who has to recruit, you know, a hundred people this year, right? And, um, and it's very competitive, right? It's really competitive. Yeah, it's at the super competitive. And I'd be yeah. curious to kind of hear uh, kind of what you're seeing as well, Nick, just in the, in the whole world of recruiting. And, and so related to that recruiting mindset, right? Like, just like we look at compensation as far as what are the benchmarks, the benefits are are a, a part of that. And even more than that, leave is a part of that and tells a story about you as an employer and what your values are. And so what we wanna do is look at, okay, what are our peers doing, right? So as an example, when it comes to companies in the US, um, as far as 
tech companies go, for instance, and, and t- I will I will say the tech companies in general are typically have more often resources than than many other companies do. So that's something to keep in mind. Yeah. Um, what we're seeing, for example, is even for early stage companies, right? For example, for a parental leave or birthing parent leave, 12 weeks is becoming increasingly standard and common. Eight weeks for a non-birthing caretaker, for example, and then it goes up from there, right? Which is once you start to get to that couple hundred person stage, then it starts to go to to 16 weeks, for example, for birthing parents. And then when you're in the stage where you're kind of around the pre-IPO, IPO, public company stage, then you start seeing 20 plus weeks and so forth. And so a lot of it is I I would encourage HR leaders to partner with your talent, your recruiting team on this and, and go to the data and really understand like, what are our peers doing and, and position it in that way, right? Which is, this is super, super important for our overall talent strategy, bringing back our topic today around great resignation yeah, right? for sure. and then also attracting people. And it's not about competing with, you know, Google or Netflix and so on. It's about really making sure that you have a story around what matters to you as an employer that also is competitive relative to your peers. So that's kind of one of our biggest recommendations. And we've done a lot of benchmarking here and can send over some of the benchmarking that we did for for the audience as well, Nick, on our blog. And so that's something that I would say like is a, is a great place to start. Have you ever asked yourself, how can any recruiter understand my HR recruitment challenges? Please don't give up on your hiring challenges just yet. Here at JGA HR Recruitment, we appreciate the difficulties associated with attracting, recruiting and retaining top human resources talent. We also understand just how costly a poor hire can be. JGA HR Recruitment would like to partner with you to help you overcome your hiring challenges. Contact us today on 01727 800 377 or visit jgarecruitment.com to find out more. Do you, would you say that at the moment, I'm not, I probably know the answer, but I'm asking the question really, but I, I know it depends on financials and budgets and all the different pieces to go with it, but actually there's an opportunity there. It's not necessarily about seeing just what your peers or your competitors are doing now. It's what do you, what can you deliver that potentially goes beyond what they're doing? A, to, to push the envelope and say, actually, we can we can do more. Let's just not standardize it. But actually, if we push the envelope now, then we're going to be able to attract some of that talent over and above our competitors. But maybe we can't compete in other areas, whether that's sector, tech, remuneration even. But actually, parental leave can be, and I'll use that as an example, but when we do analysis in the UK, and a lot of the studies in the UK in particular have been around well-being and, and benefits People really want more leave than they do salary increases. They want more time mm. with their families than they do. They would substitute one for the other. So it's interesting to say, actually, there may be an opportunity there for people to steal a march on their competitors if they do go over and above by offering 20 weeks instead of 12, even though they're relatively new in their infancy. But actually, maybe they can't afford the same salaries, but there might be a trade-off there. Are you finding that uh, companies are starting to look at it that way around? We're seeing that actually, yes, Nick. And that's super, super smart because maybe we're not going to compete on kind of like the cash side of things, right? But actually just, you know, around this idea of what does leave mean about your employer? It means they care about you as a person, you know, holistically, right? Which is really important, not just you as a worker. And, And also it can be a really, really major green light towards the mission of the employer, right? And I think a lot of us, especially during COVID, have been like, hmm, what am I even doing with my time? (laughs) Right, one life to live, YOLO. (laughs) Like make sure that whatever I'm doing is something that I actually care about. And, and, and so what we started to see, and I think this has been a trend that's been, you know, building for, for years and years and have kind of exploded um, during COVID is people looking for an employer who's aligned with their mission and their values. I was actually just talking to chatting to a candidate the other day who said that she had no idea about anything in the world of tech, but chose her first employer purely based on what values they had on their website, which was really, really interesting. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that speaks to a lot of kind of what you're saying, which is like, hey, we don't necessarily have to compete on the same dimensions as, as what Facebook and Google and Netflix and so on are competing on. Um, but what are those other angles, right? So for example, like leave being one of them. And then what are some of the nuanced parts of that, right? So as an example, we're seeing a lot of our partners 
um, start to, to roll out ramp back programs where, for instance, when you return to work, there's actually a flexible schedule as you're returning to work because we recognize nice. that figuring out things like childcare, pumping schedules, so forth, takes time to kind of get into that mode and know what that looks like. And, and so there are things like that, that in a lot of ways might not actually cost us anything as far as sheer, just like dollars yeah. go, um, but make a big difference to our people. And that's a story that we can incorporate into our values that we as a recruiting team go and tell about why you should join our company. Yeah, I think it's a great example. I feel like the pandemic has really made the world wake up. It's changed the the shift from employer control to employee control, which is part of the reason we've got this great resignation. And I think it's made employers think about actually what's important for them from a value perspective, as you mentioned. You know, we want our employees to be bought into what we're trying to achieve as a, as a corporate goal, but also for employees, they want to know that the business is supportive of their lifetime goals, which they may not have actually fully understood themselves until they had time to, to take that recovery and to reflect during the pandemic. And they suddenly, as you said, they've got these ambitions now. They want to be there for their family more. They want to, all those all those lifestyle changes that have impacted the, the, the world's workforce. And I think the employers that are able to navigate those changes the fastest, to trust their employees the, the quickest. And I think you gave a great example uh, just then, it doesn't always have to cost things. Well, one great thing that's happened is people can work from home now. And actually, it's often cheaper for the employer and cheaper for the employee. And that's been a win-win situation, whereas before the pandemic, for some reason, there wasn't that level of trust, not on a global scale, to allow that to happen. And it sounds like now there's a really positive shift in the angles that you're talking about now between that employee and employer value relationship, um, which I think is really, really, really positive. Are you finding in your research there are certain times in an employee's life cycle or journey that that is most important for them for when, you know, when an HR team should get it right? Are there kind of inflection points that they need to consider um, in relation to what, you know, when companies do things or what they do things? Or has any of your research given you sort of any, any interesting insights in that regard? That is something that we think about all the time, Nick, because at the end of the day, our, our careers are almost like this, you know, trajectory. And, and this is completely not my line, but actually from a people leader who I highly admire, who kind of described it to me this way, which is our, our careers are kind of this trajectory. And there are these inflection points, as you said, or key transition points that are actually very few and far between, right? It's like, maybe having a baby yeah. or someone in your family is not feeling well, or you need to go in for a surgery, right? Something major in your life is happening. And it is those key inflection points where, you know, we as people either fall that much more in love with our employer, our company, because they stepped up for us or not. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and, and, and it's, it's one of those things that, where, I remember the story that this people later told me where she said that, you know, when she had her first baby and, you know, she was in a leadership role and then she, she had her first baby and her CEO came to the hospital and, and this was pre COVID of course, <laughs> brought her flowers <laughs> in person. And she was like, wow, like, like my team really, really cares. Right. And it's these kinds of inflection moments that are so important to get right. And that's why we see our partners like a huge part of the reason that they choose Cocoon is exactly for that, which is this is something that we want to trust a partner who can can make this experience something that aligns with our values. And we want this to be as magical as the product that we have, right, for our people. And so we want that to be reflected in how we support people during these big inflection moments in their lives. And so that is something that is kind of our North Star as far as how do we make this something that can be instant, simple, magical, truly for, for people during their leave where they feel so incredibly supported yeah. and even maybe delighted <laughs> by just how easy it is, right? To get everything that you need as far as your time off and your pay, not to mention the things around you that are happening. Like, wow, my manager, I actually had this really wonderfully prepped one-on-one talk for me when I returned from my leave or w whatever it may be. Yeah. So that's a lot of what we think about as far as North Star from a product perspective. No, I, I love the magical uh, the magical idea, which, you know, the, just that word really, the phrase magical, it brings great things. I think you mentioned the flowers, it, or even the word doc at the end. Interestingly, a lot of these initiatives don't have to cost anything. I think that's what's smart about this. It's not about giving people pay increases all the time. It's about thinking much more 
creatively, collaboratively, as you say, driven by values that actually can have a much, much greater impact on your employees than a simple raise or something that actually financially just isn't possible. So I think it's really, really interesting. Obviously, you talked about some of the things the Cocoon platform can do. It's there to help employees design their leave in, in minutes. It covers compliance to payroll and everything in between. Can you tell us a little bit more about the platform then and what you're doing with some of your clients, maybe in particular, how you've managed to align the platform with with a, with a business's values and, and, and how it's really delivered success for them? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think you summarized it really well, Nick, which is Cocoon is really two things. One is we are that magical helper for employees to be in and out of our web app in under 10 minutes, understand your time, your pay, have all of your claims to these different pay sources automated for you such that you can be on your way and focus on your family, your return to work, your career, and not worried about you know all the anxiety that typically comes with this. And for HR teams, it's really that partner to take all of the compliance and the fear around that off the plates of HR teams, especially as they're expanding across so many different states, geos, and so forth, you know, super catalyzed by COVID yeah. and, and pay, as you mentioned, I think related to the values aspect of it, that manifests in so many ways. So first of all, the values manifest in like, what is the experience of an employee in, in, in taking leave, right? As far as did I have to build this spreadsheet to show how much I was owed, for example, or was it just like that easy and simple, right? And I think beyond that, though, something that is sometimes missed is around this concept of it's not just, uh, as you were saying, that kind of like the financial side of things of like the what or the how much as far as like how many weeks, how much pay that is, that is the baseline, but Actually, it's really all of the multitude of touch points that ultimately create sort of the values that are perceived by by our people, right? And so a lot of what we think about as far as Cocoon goes is that Cocoon is also almost like your favorite coaching app, right? Just the way that like Calm, for example, or Headspace, or for, I have an aura ring, for example, kind um, of tells you, <laughs> oh, great. nice, nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, Kind of like gives you those helpful tips along the way, right? We think of Cocoon as that that for people taking leave, but also super importantly, managers, right? So just around the concept of great resignation and what's going on there, a lot of it is like, I'm leaving my manager. Um, And why? Manager may have all the best intentions, but needs some guidance, some training, especially around these moments that don't come up super often. Right. And so one of the things that, you know, we want to shift the narrative on is historically, it's been really, really hard to, to make sure that, for example, managers are empowered to help their people during these key life moments. Because it's like maybe like twice a year or every other year, I, I as a manager with five team members have this moment happen. Um, on our team. And then I'm sometimes deer in headlights, like, wow, what do I do? Especially if I'm a young manager or a first time manager. And, and so part of what we, you know, really want to empower managers with is what are all those different touch points that you as a manager can do that, as you, as you kind of mentioned and highlighted, Nick cost nothing, right? Yeah. It's just, it's just a thought that can make your people feel truly cared for. Right. So for example, um, how do you have a conversation with an employee? Like, congratulate them, for example, when they share yeah. they're having a baby. That sometimes people just forget because it's just like there's so much, uh, you know, surprise and like excitement around it. And things like, hey, how do we create an out-of-office plan together, right? How do we craft that together? How do I ask you questions around things like, hey, like how do you want to be communicated with during your leave, right? It's different for everyone. Where some people want to be completely disengaged, like. I don't want to see any yeah. email, Slack <laughs> message, um, deleting Slack from my phone. <laughs> uh, there, there's kind of that desire. And then others are like, I actually really do want to know what's going on, at least on a lightweight level and, and, and stay plugged in with the general trend of the business. Or if there's like a major change on my team, I would want to know about that. And so making sure that ha- like coach managers through our app, because we know exactly the time that their people are on leave and when they're returning to work, it's like, hey, Lauren, um, your teammate is going on leave in, in three months. Uh, now would be a really great time for you to start kind of collaborating with her on, a, on an out-of-office plan, for example, or, hey, Lauren, um, 
your teammate is about to return to work in two weeks, now would be a great time to start drafting that welcome back doc and um, updates on what's happened in the business, new hires and so forth. And so a lot of what we think about when it comes to how do you how do you share your values and, and walk your values is not just in the the what, the time and the pay, but also yeah. in, in those the how. Exactly, the yeah. how. You've given a, a really great example. I think the way you've walked that through, took away some of the questions actually, which is which you've answered perfectly before I've needed to ask them, which is great. But, you know, it, it, a lot of anxieties for the employee about returning to work. Um, being proactive and supportive from the outset, so important. I mean, if if I came to you as my manager and said, I'm going to take some parental leave and I caught you at the wrong moment, your reaction to that could be something that was not meant you know, badly, you just caught you at a bad time on, it's going to be away, it's going to be a struggle. And you've given me that wrong impression. I've got away feeling terrible. These things can make a huge impact in, in employee well-being, how we feel, feeling supported by the employer. And as you say, it has a massive impact in relation to attraction and retention of staff, and certainly something we're seeing in the world of, world of recruitment. I'm also a big believer, and obviously I'm biased because I'm a niche recruiter, but you know, let experts do what experts do. And managers aren't necessarily trained to be experts in how to manage leave requests. That's what Cocoon can do for you. So you let the managers focus on what their great tasks are, what they're really good at living for their business. Let employees take the time out they need to take for whatever reason it might be. And let the experts manage the bits in between to make sure it's a seamless experience. And I think it's um, I think you articulated that brilliantly. From from your uh, perspective, Lord, what are you seeing the best people leaders doing at the moment to help prepare their companies to be well positioned, not just for now, but for next year, you know, year on from the pandemic, or even five years from now? Are, are you seeing any particular trends that you think are really positive ones to, to comment on? Yeah, um, I actually think you you kind of articulated one of those trends, Nick, which is the best people leaders that are that are out there are looking towards next year, which is especially for companies that are changing and growing year over year like crazy. For example, a lot of our partners are companies that, you know, today are maybe a few hundred people. Like uh, one example that comes to mind is Snapdocs. Yeah. Um, when, when they first became a Cocoon customer, they were, I think, maybe 150 or 200 people when Chad um, joined as their chief people officer. And now they're, you know, 500 plus people. I mean, it's just like a completely different company at that stage. And the kinds of companies that you're competing with for retaining your talent and, and, and bringing new talent in are also different. And so a lot of what we see people leaders like Chad do is look ahead to, okay, not just what, what do I need for this year, right? But okay, because we, I know we're changing so rapidly, let's actually look a year ahead to what, the benchmarks are, for example, around this and bring bring that in as what our leave benefits are today, right? Sure. So that's one really big thing that we're seeing. The other really, really big thing that we're seeing is around back to this conversation about it's, it's not just the what um, or like how much, how many weeks, how much pay, right? It's about the how. And so we're seeing a huge, huge focus on managers and how to scale that kind of manager empathy that we want during these key inflection points. And that is a really, really, really difficult thing to do where, you know, we can imagine a 10 person company where having the one-on-one conversations with as a people leader or as an HR leader, being able to, you know, sit down with the manager and help guide them towards, hey, this, these are kind of the kinds of things that you can say, or like, these are some things to avoid um, just from a compliance perspective. And also from a, a sheer, just like, how do you make this an experience that feels supportive to your people during this time? That can, that can happen through these kind of like one-on-one conversations. Um, and that scales to a certain extent. And I think one of the biggest struggles that we see people leaders deal with is like, we want to have this empathy for every single person at our company, sure. but you know we're a small HR team. How do we scale that? And so a big part of it is how do we bring in the partners, the tools to help us do that? And so I think a lot of what we're seeing, and, and um, Carolyn Frey, who's one of our, our partners over at Curology, Chief People Officer there, I think she said it really well, which is that um, you know when you're growing a company like Curology, that is you know like hundreds of thousands of people, a lot of it is how you set the tone for your values and then bring in partners who reflect those values, right? That's probably the second really, really major trend that we're seeing increasingly so is around this idea of empathy and scaling it. How do we bring in the right partners around that? 
I'll tell you what I loved about that response and just list, maybe it's my recruiter ears perking up, but every example you gave, including the uh, the individuals you mentioned, Chad and Rion, you referenced everything with the word how, which I think is really forward thinking for the for the, the, the leaders that I respect, leaders I look up to, that I think are doing great work in the, in, the, in the world of work at the moment. They're all driving with that question of how, as opposed to why, which I think is inherently quite negative anyway. But why should we do this? You know, why are they doing it? Why aren't we doing it? It's it's actually how can we how can we do things better? How can we improve? How can we help this employee? How can we get to from level A to level you know? And I think and I think if you if we listen to this back, you'll hear you use that word sort of 15, 20 times. And I think that's great because I think that's what people leaders need to be doing going forward. It's not about looking at the past and saying, you know, why didn't we do it then? Well, that that's gone. Or, you know, I, why should we do that now? It's how can we look after employees better? How can we make it more holistic business? How can we relate our values with the values of our employees? And I think if everyone's thinking in that way, then it's not surprising in, in your example with Chad that he's growing to 500 employees because it's those businesses that are able to scale. People want to work for that kind of company. People want to, and they stay part of that business. And it's much easier to scale a business that's caring and asking the how questions, I think, um, than, than those are asking the why or, or a little bit reticent to, to make those adoptions or those changes. Um, you know, I didn't even notice that, Nick, but that I, I love that. And that's something that we ask ourselves a lot at Cocoon is, uh, is how might we, right? Yeah. I think that mindset is so, so important around, especially these areas like leave that for decades haven't changed, right? It's like, how might we change this to make it better for everyone? Opening the L&D vault. Chris, we're going to open the, open the L&D HR vault. Uh, four short, sharp questions for you, Lawrence. Get the, uh, the brain working for you. Um, you've got a fantastic career. You've worked, you say, for some fantastic brands. But in hindsight, what's the one thing you now know that you wish you had known when you began your career? Oh, gosh, that is a really, really good one, Nick. Um, I would say for me, the biggest thing is get some sales experience. So I'll, I'll share my story very briefly, which is that my background is not at all in revenue sales and so forth. I mean, I was an economist and then I was in research <laughs> at yep. Goldman Sachs in finance, right? And that's kind of what I brought my career into when I joined Stripe. But yet what I realized was I was paying attention to what I was excited by and what was lighting me up and it was interacting with clients and, and customers. And so I raised my hand and I said, Hey, I want to be in sales. I'm, you know, are now over at Stripe are now head of North America sales. So great. Come over, come build out this new sales team. Um, amazing. Uh, had that experience. And that was the foundational piece that gave me the confidence that I could start a company. Um, amazing. Because at the end of the day, what a company is, is bringing in those first customers who believe in you. And I truly think that's something that is very, very foundational that looking back, it might've been somewhat serendipitous that I kind of realized that was something that I was personally excited by that later laid the foundation for, you know, being a founder. But you know what? It, you can be good at sales, Lauren, but you've got to have that passion, which you clearly have, right? And you've got passion for what you're delivering. And that is half the sales process, is just being passionate about what you do. And you're clearly incredibly passionate about the work that you're doing at Cocoon. And that really comes across. I'm not surprised you're bringing you know, clients on on the back of that. And second question, if you could give one piece of advice to the world, what would it be? I would say one of the pieces of advice that I've gotten myself is that anything can be resolved in communication. And the reason that that is something that I care about and I think can, can, can change the world in some ways is because oftentimes problems, conflict, emotional disagreements and so on can result from, we just haven't had a conversation about this yet, right? And that is something that I personally really believe in is nobody is perfect. And if something is not working out, um, you know, between us, between me and my employer, whatever it may be, we can have a conversation about it and as people. And so I think that can solve almost any problem. <laughs> um, and, and maybe that's optimistic, but that's my biggest piece of advice. Great. Fantastic. I'm all for optimism. And uh, you know, we've talked about communication a lot today between employers and employers. It's absolutely uh, paramount to, to success. Last question. What's the guiding principle or behavior you've seen in every great or inspirational leader that you've worked with? It goes back to what we were talking about, Nick, which is the how. <laughs> and, and especially the how might we. And I think when it comes to leadership, one of the areas that 
really, really is important is setting a vision for transforming something that we care about. So think for us at Cocoon, that vision is around this community, right? Especially the community of families, caretakers, and being able to transform these big moments in their lives and actually setting a how might we mindset around it, right? Which is we can, we can accept that historically it's taken decades for policy to change around things like, for example, in the U.S., yeah. <laughs> it wasn't until 1993 when FMLA was passed and we're still having all these conversations around national pan-family leave and so on that are hopefully <laughs> going to move forward in some way but are not quite there yet. And we can accept the fact that we have uh, just these situations around insurance companies or our governments and so on that aren't moving at the pace that we want them to move and change in. Or we can do something about it and say, how might we change the status quo there, right? And so when I think about the leaders that I've seen out there who I really admire and I've worked for, it's really been those kinds of leaders who are asking the question of how and how might we and getting the team fired up about that. Amazing. Well, they're the ones that are changing the world, right? Hopefully we're going to see yourself, Lauren, at the top of that, you know, in terms of parental leave in the US. Now, for those listening, at the moment, it is uh, just in the US, isn't it, um, Cocoon? But you are, I know you have ambitions to go further afield. So if you're listening to this and you're from the UK or from Europe, stay tuned to their website. I'll put a link in the show notes, which is uh, meetcocoon.com. I'll also put a, a link to Lauren's LinkedIn profile as well. For those interested in finding out more, you can contact Lauren directly through her LinkedIn profile. But please do go to the website. There's loads of resources. You can click a let, Let's Talk function on there and have a chat and you can look at their blogs and there's some research. You'll see some of the great clients like Carter that we've mentioned today that are already engaged with Cocoon. So really exciting times. Really excited to see how this uh, develops, Lauren. And thank you ever so much for joining me today on the HR L&D podcast. Thank you, Nick. It's been truly blessed. You are so fun. Oh, no, I've really enjoyed it. I think we could probably talk all day, to be honest. I think, um, <laughs> you know, I'm all for improving the employee experience and things like parental leave are something that's close to my heart. So I'm really, really glad you could join me today. Of course, if you are an HR or LD professional listening to this podcast and you have an HR vacancy that needs some specialist support, please do get in touch with either myself or one of my team. You can catch us at www.jjrecruitment.com. And again, that link will be in the show notes. Just leaves me to say a huge thank you to all of you for listening to me today and to Lauren Day for joining me on the podcast. I look forward to being your next episode real soon. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you, Nick. Thank you so much for tuning into the HR L&D podcast with your host, Nick Day, CEO of JJ Recruitment Specialist HR Recruiters. If you need any help with the current HR or L&D vacancy, then please get in touch with Nick and his team. All contact details can be found in the episode notes. In the meantime, to make sure you never miss a future episode, please subscribe to the show through any of your favorite podcast channels. Till next time.